Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you, Rob? I am thinking, not feeling today. No. I am thinking a lot about the word community because living in Margate, like you Mm. came down yesterday. Yeah, we are in Margate now. Yes, we are in Margate, everybody. And (laughs) Russell came down yesterday because we had the opening of a new exhibition of Jose Luis Vargas, who's a Puerto Rican artist, and Catherine Bernhardt, who's an artist from St. Louis. And this morning we woke up and we went to Fort's Cafe. Mm. And when we walked in, the guy was like, morning, Rob, how are you? And then Mm. Russ made this comment, didn't you? So everyone knows your name here. Yeah, because like everywhere we go, everyone's like, Rob, Rob. hey, Rob, hi, Hi, Rob, Rob. hi, Rob. And he was like, are you famous here or something? (laughs) And I was like, no, Russell, this is what they call a community, Ah. like, which was lacking severely in where I was living in London. Yes. I didn't know anyone in London. And... Well, you did know everyone, but you were far away from everyone. Yeah, but I mean, in my in my local kind of, you know, in the yeah. actual where I was living. Everyone was about 90 years old where you were living. Yeah, but also, like, if I went to the coffee shop, they'd be like, yes, what do you want? Like, and then the people behind me in the queue would be, like, pushing me along. And you'd feel this, like, psychic tension the whole time. So I, what I love about Margate is I feel free here because everyone's so nice to yeah. each other. And whilst I've been here, the bizarrest thing happened. So I was on Apple Music because... As you know, I used to make music myself. And oh, I, yeah. I constantly listen to Yourself. music. All right. No, not myself on <laughs> Apple Music. Although you can download Temper Shot Records, everybody. <laughs> um, no, but uh, I, I still am obsessed with music, even though I don't make it. Yeah. And I always look at every week at the new releases. And there was an album cover by an artist called Danae Moore and the record is called Modern Dread and I saw the front cover and it really spoke to me like really quickly I hadn't even heard the music didn't yeah. know who Danae was at yeah. that point so I downloaded the record and then when I heard the record it felt exactly what I was hoping it was going to be through the visual communication from the sleeve yeah. and it reminded me how I felt when I was about mid-90s when I was about 15, 16 and I was really into like artists like Bjork, yes. Tricky, PJ Harvey Tori Amos all of these kind of artists whose sleeves at the time and the whole visual culture around what they and were you doing. you met Bjork, didn't you? I did. She told you how to say the name <laughs> Bjork because everyone else says Bjork. Yeah, that's and right. What did she say to you? She went, it's Bjork, like jerk. 
and stared me in the eyes. And her, her head of her record label, Derek, at One Little Indian said to me, don't worry about that. Uh, she looked you in the eyes, which means she likes you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So I was like, cool. So yeah, anyway, back then, I think there was, a, in my teens in the 90s, I think there was this real link between things like art, fashion, music. And it was all kind of a bit like what we were talking about the other day with Bauhaus. Yeah. And about the kind of way that things can cross-pollinate. Mm. And being in Margate, I've really experienced that. So the same day that I downloaded Danae's album, mm. I got an email from Danae's PR, randomly, who's a fan of Torcar, and said, would you Had like you to interview... Had you picked it up on Instagram no. or something? And he wrote to me and said, have you heard of Danae Moore? That is serendipitous. She's got a new album coming out. Well, I guess it's all because it was coming out at the same time. It's right. basically synchronicity. But, oh. but anyway, so I was like, no way. I've just discovered her. And he said, well, she lives in Margate. And I was like, how can this be happening? WTF. Because in my opinion, Modern Dread is the best record of the last 10 years. <laughs> and it is the first album that for me is like a proper album. Like in the sense of like, if you think back to like Kate Bush, Hounds of Love, yeah. when you listen to those records or The Dreaming, they're actual like artworks in themselves mm. because each track leads into the next one. And it's really like a kind of journey you go on, almost like a cathartic kind of journey for the listener to go through. Yeah, as and well also as each track is completely different. So you can't define the music by one track. No, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And I, I just missed that in music. Yeah. So anyway, shoot forwards. I Instagrammed Danae and said, hi, I've heard you live in Margate. And yeah. then Danae wrote back and said, yes, let's meet. And then then I also met Danae's partner, who is Nadira Amrani, and they came to the gallery and we got to hang out. And we will discover more now. Yeah. So we would like to welcome to Talk Art, Danae Moore and Nadira Amrani. <laughs> welcome. Hello. Hi. How are you both? I'm very well. Very good. Are yeah, you, I'm a bit knackered today because we all went out last night and sorry, the night before last. Um, and yesterday we spent the day together, didn't we, here at Margate at the gallery yeah. for the opening? Yeah, because yeah, we're recording in your gallery now. We are we are in Carl Friedman's gallery in yeah. the office right now. It was fun, wasn't it? Yeah, really fun. It's also really nice to be social yes. again and yeah. be in a space with like more than a couple of people that is in my living room. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and especially kind of experience art and then kind of talk about what we've been going through. And it just felt really nice. It was yeah. really refreshing, actually. Yeah. It's it was a very small group of people, wasn't it? But it was yeah. really, yeah. really nice. It's yeah. the community you're talking about. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes. You feel like you feel that here. Where, when did you move to Margate? So we both moved here a year and a half ago. Right. From um, London or? From London. From London. Yeah. And um, yeah. I definitely felt there's a sense of community here. And uh, I know what you were talking about earlier about the coffee shop and uh, being in London for a long time. Um, so Margate really feels like quite a creative community and there's like, lots of things going on. So, yeah. Do you feel like there's a lot of a culture here? Like I know we're in a gallery right now, but do you feel like you were missing that from London, but there's enough here to kind of sate that? or Definitely. I also think that a lot of people come here and they like take a break. Right. Yeah. from a, like a really really busy work lifestyle yeah, yeah. or they come here and they live the dream so you've got lots of like artisan restaurants yeah. or like really beautiful florists or like all mm. sorts of like indie shops and stuff yeah. that I think it definitely feels like there's a community and a yeah. local feel. and it's crafty as well isn't it as yeah. a crafty yeah. vibe like a hippie yeah. kind of vibe yeah amazing it's funny as well because people kept talk, calling it Shoreditch by the Sea but for me I remember being in Shoreditch when it was sort of just 
end of the 90s and I used to do a lot of gigs there with my band and it was the coolest place to be we even used to like fly poster our you know single posters and stuff ourselves and we had these stickers with question marks on um for our first ever EP and we used to like sticker them everywhere it was kind of like street art time you know and people were doing graffiti and all that stuff Mm -hmm. and it felt so blank there at the time but full of kind of hip people like very very specifically hipster kind of crowd in a way. Yeah. And then I think everyone thinks that's what Margate is, but Margate isn't that, I don't think. I think there's really creative people here, but I feel like most people have come here to kind of make their lives like here, like maybe to have kids, maybe to settle down with their partner. It's slightly a different energy. Do you know what it feels like? I spent a lot of time in San Francisco working and there's a whole queer scene there, but the people in San Francisco moved to San Francisco and they live their life they live their dream is what you're yeah. saying and they be, they be, they're doing like really like random courses in like uh, patchwork quilting or mm. stitch making or mm. like cookery or whatever but they move there and they want to be there and they want to be part of that community and it's like they settle and I feel like now the vibe here is like people are coming here and they're settling and they're crafty and they're they're embracing what it is to slow down slow yeah. living which you feel here totally which mm. is really amazing I definitely feel like I am here like I'm just being here and then I go to London to work or I go to different countries to shoot films. Yeah. And then I come back here and this is like definitely home. Yeah. And a home that I haven't necessarily felt before. Yeah. So, yeah, even the sea is very homely. Totally. Yeah, I think as well because it's so connected to nature. I feel like sometimes when you're working in London, there's no connection to something that feels very real and authentic, especially in creative industry where you're like constantly meeting new people and it's maybe a little bit performative and you're just like kind of playing this role and then you kind of like run out of like steam really quickly and you're like functioning on this like weird synthetic energy where I think like you hear and you go to the beach and it's like you breathe in real air and you're like functioning in a more natural way I think. But do you feel like that's a maturity thing because I was walking around today going wow the light and the sky and the water when I was a kid I wouldn't give a fuck about that I've literally been like (laughs) where are the shops where's the pub or I'm I'm bored but I think as an adult you really appreciate a tree do you know what I mean? Yeah, I see a nice true. tree now and I'm like, I really like that tree. And yeah. I feel back to my, if I ever talked to myself as a kid, I'd be like, shut up. But it's That's true, yeah. actually, because I can imagine if you're a teenager, it can just be like, oh, oh this God. is so boring. There's yeah. nothing to do. It's like, but you've got the beach. Are... It's like a beach every day. After a while, you're like, as a kid, you're like, well, I know that, um, what can Carl I do? Friedman, who I work with, and Tracy Emin, the artist, she's here now in Margate with us. And she was saying yesterday that she's going to be really backing the skate park here because right. there used to be a skate park here in the kind of 70s, I think, 80s. Mm. And she wants to help re-bring that back yeah. with Carl and a number of other people in the town. I think maybe Sam Causa, the architect, and a few people. So I loved that idea because yeah. actually that's the kind of thing that the kids probably would really connect to because yes. you do see a big skate, skater culture. Yeah, there is yeah, a big yeah, yeah. skate culture. So yeah. actually I think the youth probably have a different, the youth, but the, you know, the, the younger generation <laughs> yeah. probably have a, a, a good time here, but a different experience to ours, which is much more like like look how beautiful the sunset is Mm-mm. and we spoke to Catherine Opie the photographer the other night and um I said to her like walking on the beach here every day is a different experience because the sunsets are so insane here yeah. and yeah. genuinely I never get bored of it yeah. and I can be on my own I spend a hell of a lot of time on my own here although not since I've met you guys we've been hanging out quite a lot which has been amazing but um I think there is something about the dramatic nature the way it changes every day here whereas when I was living in London like the parks just get really repetitive after a while and they're beautiful and incredible mm. and I do love London still but it's just there's something magical here it's like 
yeah, it's, it's definitely exciting. And so, so something I've been doing on those walks mm. has been nonstop listening to Modern Dread, mm-hmm. which is your new album. And you two have collaborated on this album. So well, you put, touched on making films and shooting films. Yeah. And I came to your website and the images on there were um, a celebration of representation of queer characters, queer creatures, queer people. And they're beautiful and they're so important and they're... It's it's amazing. And you, so you did the cover of uh, Gay Times. That's Rocky trying to get in the door. You did let the. Should we have Rocky in? Yeah, let's let Rocky in. All right. You did the cover of um, Gay Times, and was it was it multiple covers or was it one cover and then these are either part of a series that you're now exploring? Um, I think well, this was of Danae, wasn't it, for Gay Times? Um, I think yeah. No, what, so the images, the ones ones that were on your website, of all the different people. So that was of a series. So I did. I've done a couple of things. So basically, I'm. So I'm North African and British. Yeah. Um, so I grew up Muslim, um, but I'm also bisexual, so I'm queer. And so a lot of my work really represents like all sorts of people from like Muslim sports athletes for a Nike campaign yeah. to like queer people for it. I shot the Black Pride campaign a couple of years ago. Oh, wow. Um, but in London, I was really connected with um, like there was a community for, called Pussy Palace. I don't know if you've heard it. It's like a club night. Um, and also like Babes London. Um, and Gaudem and all of those collectives where I was like really active in in a few years ago in London. And during that time, I really just photographed a lot of my friends. Wow. So a lot of those things I think that you're seeing, like the medium format of photographs and stuff have been like over the years of just capturing like really incredible artists and individual people. Um, but you consider yourself an artist through your photography. You... Yeah. So I'm definitely like a visual artist. Great. Um, and so really working with Danae on the album artwork for Modern Dread was like an opportunity for us to explore quite a surreal and interesting portrait of her. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. You did you, to... you were together at that point, so you collaborated. Yeah. How did you two meet? Did you meet through art or? Kind of, I guess you could kind of say maybe through visual art because um, a mutual friend of ours, Rain, did a music video for my last record called We Used to Bloom uh-huh. um, for the song called Trickle. And Nadira actually premiered it at this at ICA, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, and I didn't know that it was happening, but she messaged me afterwards and said that I premiered your music video. And then we kind of met for a coffee and it was very like, we're just meeting and we ended up spending the whole afternoon together. And I don't know, it just kind of went from there, yeah. I'd say. Also, Rain, so Rain Allen Miller, who's also a fantastic director. Yeah. Um, she's mutual friends of ours, so uh-huh. I, I kind of guess it's all thanks to Rain, really. Oh, she, you think she instigated that she knew you two well, would? Well, it's also because you did an interview with ID Magazine with Rain. With Rain, yeah. And I think Rain mentioned me in the article, and then you've, like, we followed each other on Instagram, and then I showed your music video at the ICA. Because I used to do a lot of curation of uh, film screenings. Wow, at um, the ICA? Or, yeah, but you also over. did them at the Ace Hotel. Yeah, so I did a couple of places. Yeah. Which is just closed, the one yes, in Shoreditch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we well, yeah, I was a bit disappointed because yeah. basically a few years ago, um, I started a collective called The People of Colours, which is like basically POC filmmakers and directors. Yes. Uh-huh. And um, we basically curated different events from the VNAs, the ICA did a really cool exhibition at the um, Tate Modern. What was that? Um, it was just showcasing different directors in the cinema 
don't know if you've been to the cinema. Yes, I have. I, they actually <laughs> talk there sometimes. I, too. I, I've been to the Tate Modern so many times, and I had no idea they had an actual yeah. cinema. I, I, it's amazing. I didn't know that. Yeah. It's a really beautiful cinema. Well, yeah. it's in Tate Modern. You can like walk, walk in, can't you? It's yeah. kind of near where the shops are and stuff. I think there's an entrance somewhere, like a door. Do so you know where yeah. the cafe is? Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's literally behind the cafe, next to like the main old school structure of the Tate. Wow. Yeah. I actually went to loads of Merce Cunningham. Uh, kind of dance films he collaborated with an artist i've forgotten who it is now but they did this whole series and i went to about three or four of them in god it's a long time ago maybe like 2010 or 11 or something mesmerizing films and they gave talks after they shot the films because you can sit on the stage where the screen is what's that like to have a film showing at the tate then yeah amazing a lot of it was short form so they're all normally like music videos or fashion films or like art films that had like spoken word in it um it was really really great fun wasn't it um, do you feel pressured? Do you feel pressured or scared or anxious about all that? I think just excited. Yeah, great. I think just excited. Yeah, inspired. Um, yeah. And I showed a music video, like the first ever music video that I shot for an artist called Brother Portrait, and um, that was just really fun. And um, we also did like a VR piece. We did like a VR documentary, three like three sixty film that we had on some VR headsets. It was back when VR was like really, really cool. <laughs> and like is, everyone is was... VR not cool now then? I, I, <laughs> well, I, I'm you know caught what? up with it. We were having this conversation yesterday. We were talking about how, you know, a few years ago, everyone was saying that everyone would have a VR headset at home. Yeah. And like now it's kind of... Is it like the mini discs? Everyone would have mini disc <laughs> players. <laughs> a little bit. But I also feel like more VR free 60 degree film really works in arts institutions, actually. And like places where you go to deliberately to like explore rather than going home. Yeah. And you watch telly, don't you? You don't really watch VR. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What are you doing? What are you filming? Rob's just taking pictures of us. We all just paused. Like, what? You thought he was checking an email? I was like, no, how, I was rude. Doing pictures. how rude. How rude. Because I just thought how beautiful they looked. Together. You were like, I don't, I'm not interested in VR. I'm just going to take some pictures. I'm not actually that interested in VR, really. Oh. I just feel like I think my brain's already kind of on another planet anyway. I don't need to like have a headset on and go yeah, to yeah, another yeah. planet. Yeah, yeah, and I was yeah. never that into computer games. So for me, I don't know. But um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah. So the album artwork. Yes. That, so you two actually... made the album artwork for. Modern Dread. Yeah, and it's interesting because alongside this whole record, even before kind of finalizing anything musically, we've always been communicating on like visuals and we talk about things and we watch films together. Like, because um, she shot um, a music video for a song called To the Brink on the record, yes. which we did partly here. Did you? And I love we that went video. to see. Everyone has to watch that video on YouTube. It's incredible. But yeah, we went to see like The Shining at um, <gasps> the BFI because um, they had it, they showed it on like film, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, so we've always had this language between each other. They think we just developed these ideas together. So then making it was kind of just literally manifesting the things that we kind of discussed together. And it was really gratifying, especially with the album cover, because there's a certain nature of uncertainty with what you will shoot. You kind of go in and you visualize exactly what you do. And during the whole process, actually, we had a few hiccups. Like originally we wanted to shoot on this like dramatic, almost like theater curtain, but then the curtain was like too short. (laughs) So it was just like, shit, what are we going to do? Like. So we literally just shot in the studio yeah. that we I was getting changed for the whole day um, on because we it was like a two day shoot um, with Cascades and we just ended up shooting there and worked with this amazing um, illustrator Sam Coldy who is like a longtime friend yeah. who kind of 
did the extra braids and stuff mm. and created those really like dramatic um, metallic kind of ribbons. And then um, the, um, the chair she's sitting on is actually an art piece by an artist called Joe Burns and it's called the Sovereign Chair. Mm-hmm. And so we got that um, in and then she's wearing Susan Fang who we really, really love. Yeah. And, um, really so then, love so love then the, 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 the ones, the hairs that's coming out, is that in vision? Or that some was... of them, some right. of them actually were. I used like fission wire. Oh, wow. <laughs> and so like four of them, I think, were actually genuinely like actually in real life in the photo, in the original yeah. photo. But um, he kind of just Sam duplicated the ones that were there and created all of the yeah, hairs. It's like this energy force. People yeah. haven't seen it yet. You will see it on our Instagram. But like you're kind of sat, you know, looking directly at the camera in this very powerful but also quite yeah. empathetic kind of... That, that's what connected... I connected with the image for some reason. Yeah. It was almost like a kind of... Björk, it is the Björk, Björk, Björk vibe the the the, the, co- the colors of it the palette of it reminds me of album covers of yeah exactly Earth it and... also made me think of people like tricky and kind of even like ronnie size like that whole era for yeah. some reason but then the mm. music isn't that at all yeah. but it's like and also i don't even know if you were referencing those people because i don't think in a way you probably were but not really but we had just for my birthday we just went to the tim walker exhibition at the oh, did you? so yeah. a lot of it is very tim walker surreal and then yeah. also at the same time we're both massive fans of grace jones Right. Oh, we have a poster. We have obviously. like a big poster of her. Do you live our... together? Yeah. Yeah. Do you have the same taste in art, say? Do you collect art? <laughs> kind of, yeah. Yeah, we do. It's really weird. I feel like even sometimes you like tapping into each other's brain. Like we have this, um, Joy is Messi? it like Joy Messi um, painting? And there's, there's some times like we just kind of really like instinctively like the same things yeah. or even clothing wise we accidentally wear the same colors like all the time we share wow. a wardrobe oh really right yeah so we do we, <laughs> so it's we not that much think... of an accident <laughs> well, we're, very lu- we're very lucky that we have the exact same shoe size <laughs> and we're <laughs> almost, we're almost so cool. the exact same height so like everything kind of works but i suppose she's quite she's, she's thinner than me so everything looks way more baggy and like swaggy on her whereas oh. like i'm like there's certain things i can't wear because it's too tight for me but um yeah we share that's a wardrobe. always nice in same-sex relationships is that you double your wardrobe well yeah, i love that's... it yeah. it also justifies spending a lot of money on an item oh, yeah, we share, share it, it. Wow. so we split it and good so, you one know. actually yeah. I, I haven't had a relationship for a long time but when i did i do remember that idea if you wear your boyfriend's t-shirt how like special you feel or something when you're wearing it because yeah, you feel yeah, connected it's very sweet (laughs) but i will add that i said susan fang but she's actually Mm. wearing robert one he's like an amazing fashion designer he's Uh like what what lady gaga's worn worn everyone solange Solange has worn him and he's british and he's got an amazing studio in hackney um but yeah in that um she's wearing robert one and a lot of the stuff that she's wearing in modern and uh, to the brink actually is also robert one in so. the music video it's yeah. like a bit of continuity and what's the jewelry isn't there like jewelry in the front so that's, that's susan, susan fang oh that's susan fang. and yeah. she's an emerging jewelry maker or i think i think she is emerging but i think she's a bit more than emerging i think again right. solange has worn her she was right. just in the um I noticed she's in the Little Mix music video. Oh, wow. Holiday. <laughs> really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Like, also, uh, so like Celeste. wearing her. Celeste as well. Oh, yeah, and, and she wore yeah. her recently. Oh, I think Celeste. Celeste is, I'm such yeah. a big Celeste fan. So, emerging, but also actually quite cool and, and established. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, the, yeah. the painting you mentioned that you live with, can you Joy explain Messi, a bit Joy about Messi. Joy, Joy Messi's work? Yeah. Well, it's actually a print. Okay. And it's by an amazing artist called Joy um, Yamasenji. Yeah. And um, yeah, they're basically. Um, a non-binary illustrator, but actually they're kind of doing some amazing ceramics at the moment. Yes. They've yeah. just collaborated yeah. with Paul Smith, with Paul Smith. on his oh, 50th cool. anniversary. So they made three ceramics. 
that incorporate Paul Smith stripes and then they've put um because they they're quite figurative illustrative images of like faces and hair and everything and I think they appear in the ceramics. And the funniest and thing at breakfast this morning Russell was actually I showing said, me we their need to Instagram. follow you need to follow Joy Yamasanji. Yeah. We need to get Joy Yamasanji on. on they're talk brilliant. Up. And then it's you the most just bizarre said it. Thing. See, this is all good it. news. Do you see yeah. what I mean? <laughs> this is positivity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um but yeah, we just love their work and How did you color. find them how did you find the work well just i think it was just a few years ago um met them at an exhibition in london um also there's a collective called the babes uh london collective and it's normally like uh queer and non-binary um poc artists and they've curated some amazing exhibitions Where in are they, i don't know anything about them Where um south london right and they used to do lots of dj nights and all sorts of things and um yeah, I just went to lots of different um, exhibitions with different queer artists and came across Joy's work quite a while ago. And um, yeah, just, just What's the it. work like? Do you want to talk about it? Um, I kind of, the thing that I've mainly connected with is their use of like commentary on their identity. Yeah. Um, so the one we have is entitled Jamba um, and which gender bender um, and... Huh? Yeah, you, is that what that Jamba? Jamba, but yeah. is, is that like a, a well-known acronym abbreviation or? I don't think I've ever heard it be- no. previously I, okay, so before. This is how I interpreted it. I saw it as it's about like not conforming to a binary gender. So Basically, it's gem, yeah, it's Jamba, and then it's got lots of figurative different bodies, like yeah. whether it was like non-conforming or female, male, whatever. So I thought I thought it was about non-binary identity. What did what did you think of the fact? Yeah, that's why I perceived. Yeah, that's how I've seen is it. Is it a lot of blue colors? Joy it's red. Uses... It's completely it's red. red. Yeah. How much is a print or was a print by Joy Yamasanji when you got it? I don't know. Weirdly I... enough, actually, I messaged I messaged them and asked if we could buy it somewhere because yeah. it was sold out. It was sold out and mm. they kindly sent it and I kind of paid paid her so i think we maybe have the last them i think we have the last one. Oh, yeah. maybe <laughs> it's an addition but ideally eventually we would definitely like to buy a painting but you know we're not not at that point yet yeah i literally only discovered their work like a week ago someone sent me a link and i was like this instantly click this is great this is really good work and it's so it's so funny because i was talking about it this morning is that yeah and then the, we, you're talking about it. That's how it works, you know. If it's like if it communicates with, or an artist has um, a message that really gets through, it just it, it spreads, doesn't it, really quickly? But it's strange. So, what's it like for you actually living with 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 that print? Do you live with other works? In your we, house? we do. We have a really cool. Um, well, basically, we bought it on our anniversary. We've got oh. two like. How long have you been um, together? Three years. Yeah. In lesbian years, that's about 37 or something. Yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. Yeah. basically. Yeah. Um, we have this like ceramic, two ceramic hearts, like physical hearts, and one's completely chrome gold. And then one is like porcelain white. Wow. We have one in the living room, one upstairs. And I think it's um, Seti. Seleti. 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 Uh-huh. I don't know if you've heard of that. No, no, it's no. like... I think they're Italian. Yeah. It's like you can buy it at the Tate Modern actually. They're like these amazing ceramics of different body parts. Wow. And there's like you can get a, like you can get feet. You can get so all it actually looks like a heart though. Like it's a the yeah, it looks like ceramic. And, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. and weirdly when I saw it, I was like, wow, this just reminds me of Frida Kahlo. I love oh, it. Yeah, yeah. The hearts joining the stri- yeah. yeah. So yeah, we, yeah. we physically bought each other like ceramic oh. hearts that we've like keep in the house. It's like oh. a symbol of like whatever that means. I 
love that. I didn't, I didn't know Was that. this before or after you had your film in the tape? Oh, after, after. But it was really funny because our neighbour came around one day and he was like, always walk past your house and see that there's a heart in on your mantelpiece what what is it and i had to show him i was like it's a ceramic heart and he was like oh okay interesting it's a bit cheeky <laughs> than looking through your living room window no, every no, day no, like, we're really good friends with oh, our neighbor okay. but it was, yeah it's just quite funny because i suppose it is a bit weird to have a ceramic heart on the wall but uh yeah. i think it was the first piece we bought i guess for yeah. the house yeah. um yeah and i know that you guys have been getting obsessed with tiles which we all do when oh. you get a house. Oh, well, <laughs> I technically studied architecture. Did you? Yeah. Where? At the Bartlett. Yeah, right. At UCL. And, um, My boyfriend's about to go AA. No way. Hey. Yeah, I've got a couple of friends at the AA. Yeah. And I suppose, in a way, I was very influenced by Zaha Hadid because she yeah. was like a kick-ass Arab woman totally. who was like an architect. But anyway, um, yeah, having studied architecture and being obsessed with The Sims as a child, like obsessed with interior design. Mm. So going tile shopping together was like like kids in a candy shop. And yeah. you just posted some pictures I saw. Of some tiles. Of some tiles. Yeah. <laughs> We've become like, because I really like the whole concept of creating a feeling, I think, in the house. And I think with colours and yeah. weirdly enough kind of um, creating these feelings that are emoted through the colours. So it's interesting. We've gotten really into like kind of colour blocking. I don't know if you... Yeah where you like paint one specific part of a wall or like a ceiling or something very so not, different. Not like accent wall. It's like only a section of the wall. Or... Yeah. So okay. we've um, just in our hallway, we have a part of the ceiling, like this yellow, a bright yellow, like a bright yellow. And the back of the front door is bright yellow. Um, and then we want to do the staircase in all black. And I think in the bathroom, we eventually want to do the ceiling as like pink yeah wow where have you seen this before that feels quite i don't know there's something quite like, like latin american about that i think that talking about the pink it reminds me of kind of like yeah i it's interesting though i think well you're jamaican so you're really interested like you've always talked about being really interested in painting things bright colors and that sort of thing you really love color i think color therapy to me especially in a home like where you kind of spend a lot of your time and where you away from the world it's really important I think with how you feel so I think when we've decorated our house we've like paid attention to like colors and different rooms and what we want the feeling to be mm -hmm. like so our living room is like cobalt blue just one wall Love. and then everything else is white so it does feel a bit like an art gallery this whole room is white we're currently in uh -huh. but then if you paint the ceiling yellow it's like stands out and it's quite nice and also it's really nice to like look at the ceiling that's yellow and it feels a little bit like the sun yeah in a way yeah. Yeah. It's interesting you're talking about colour because in the videos for your record, I feel like you use light in a really particular way when you're shooting the films. And there's the one where you kind of go into a car, yeah. almost like through the door or through the back boot of the car or something. And then it becomes this kind of big room that's lit in the most amazing kind of like weird lighting and like and even the to the brink music video like the clothes you're wearing like the kind of aesthetic of it at first it made me think of people like tlc weirdly and like janet jackson and michael jackson when they did that video scream yeah have that kind yes, of like yes, 100%. Yes. incredible like 90s yeah, kind of yeah, 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 aesthetic yeah. that subconsciously spoke to me even though it's it isn't kind of dystopian the music yeah. but exactly so there's sci-fi elements yes, there's like yes. dystopia yeah. and then also fan? utopia yeah maybe. i well, think we watch I think we watch a lot of film together. I'm 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 really into The Shining. I think ultimately the whole like it, even the performance of Jack 
um, as his role, kind of going a little bit insane in this space, I think I really connected to with Modern Dread and I kind of wanted to have these kind of very surreal dystopian kind of imagery. So with the, in To the Brink, we had the like black ink that came through the entire like art directed white room, um, which just had this like little edge of like dystopian that's in this weird kind of modern aesthetic. Yeah. Um, so with with Cascades, um, I spoke with the director and I really wanted to create this massive inflatable. Um, and I really wanted to enter a room that was completely blue because throughout this whole campaign or when I first started writing a couple of years ago, I went to this um, exhibition in LA and the whole room was blue and it was really overwhelming. Like, it was strange because I was there on my own. Was and it lit blue? Was it like light? the whole room? All the walls are blue. It was this and exhibition. That was the exhibition. That, yeah, it so was, was at it the Griffin. Was it? No, it was. Terrell? It was this exhibition um, from this artist called Adrian Adrian Roja. I think that's his name. Ro Roja R O J A Ro. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was just like really intense, and for some reason, ever since that exhibition the color blue really stuck with me. Yeah. So throughout the whole record, very intentionally, I've worn a lot of blue or I've had blue in the videos or I've art right, directed right, right. things. So yeah, throughout this whole process, I think I've been quite affected by art or exhibitions I've gone to because I feel quite emotionally moved by colors and shapes. And I know you said to me yesterday about Elm Green and Dragset. So you were, yes. you were really inspired by their show at the Whitechapel. Yeah, because, um, yeah, the one where they had, like, the swoon pool yeah. in the... And it was very surreal. There's, like, this element of surrealism because you're like, this isn't real. This isn't a real swimming pool. And they made this whole story around it. Mm. Like, I don't know if you read it, and it's really funny. Some people thought it was real. Mm. Like, afterwards, um, a lot of the women, people that worked there said that people asked them, oh, is the swimming pool still around? Like... And well, there's really an empty like, swimming pool in New York. There's now a public sculpture on its yeah, side. Yeah, it's like on its side, which yeah. Which is amazing. And then they designed the uh, queer memorial in Berlin. I don't know if you've seen that. You know, yeah. the Jewish memorial. So you have the queer memorial where you've got the film inside of same-sex couples kissing. And it's amazing. Yeah. They're incredible. I think what they do is so cool. I did them. Um, they were at the um, Louis Vuitton store years ago and they did bedtime stories where you'd come and you'd read a bedtime story to like a member of staff or someone who works there. And I got invited to come and I had to read a bedtime story to someone in security, which was quite random, but really fascinating. Like they, they, they kind of change the game. They rewrite everything. It's, they're great. But it's, it's really strange because I really remember that exhibition vividly. Cause I think I basically, um, I did this thing for Time Out where I picked like five places that were in close proximity to each other that, I love to mm. go to mm-hmm. just personally. Mm-hmm. So I chose Whitechapel Gallery mm-hmm. and I think it was just before the exhibition opened. And I went in, I was literally just like floored because I was like, this isn't real, but mm. I'm in this space and it was commentary on like gentrification and a lot of things that were happening politically, which I kind of reference um, in Modern Dread in songs like To the Brink and Turn Off the Radio. Just this feeling and this sense of like, anxiousness about everything that's happening in the world and how we're affected by you know how the world functions and how we function in the world is kind of a bit I don't know like not right um Mm. so I love artists that kind of do that in a way that's so powerful and sculpturally I think it is powerful because you're showing something through imagery and well it takes up a space as well yeah it takes so you, you have to 
deal with it. You're confronted yeah. by yeah, it. Whereas a paint on the it, wall, yeah. you can walk past and go, that's nice. But if an object is there, that's literally stopping you from getting somewhere else. You have to take that in. Yeah. Who else do you think does that? Who, what other artists around the moment you think of like making good social commentary on what's going on? Um, I think actually a lot of people I've noticed there are a lot of sculptural and like furniture oriented, like artists that yeah. are kind of doing this thing. So like Job, the guy that uh, had the black chair, I know he's got a studio with a couple of other artists who are like um, based in London and they're doing these pieces that are of like, um, I know speaking about um, racial issues or just things that are happening in the world. Yeah. And I think that's interesting, just sculptural world of it yeah. um, that I find really cool. Um, but the fact but that yeah. artists channel that into art, they create art by what, yeah. you know, that's what they're inspired by, the world, and that's their story. And that in the current climate, especially what's going on with COVID, what's going on with BLM, it's like there's so many artists that are really uh, changing what their work or being more yeah. dynamic or being more obviously political because it's like you have to now. And we're about to interview Yinka Alori as well, who's uh, <laughs> from South London, and he um, is looking very much at like, histories of architecture and then and also like you're talking about furniture and use of colour in rooms and you guys would like get on really well I think maybe you should collaborate with Yinka actually on the video or something yeah Yeah, he's incredible it's a lot of the themes you're talking about actually he's amazing I think we're going to do the live live podcast festival with him so I'm really excited Mm. he's awesome Yeah. So but, you used to work at museums. Yeah, but you? at the Whitechapel, didn't you work there as well? Yeah, so I was a gallery assistant at Whitechapel oh, Art Gallery when I was in. But te- on and off-ish, it was kind of a cool gig because I could just go when I felt like it and then I left. Um, <laughs> but I used to do it when I was a student, so it was like from 2011. Uh, and um, yeah, I loved it. I loved what... What did it involve? What was the job? Well, I was just one of those people who'd be like, excuse me, can you not take photos, please? <laughs> I was one of those invigilators an invigilator but also like I don't know uh, I talked to loads of people it was a fascinating job because, like quite an educational thing as well oh yeah, yeah. and also like I could write a book about the uh, exploration of people's experience in art galleries and I, actually I was saying this to Rob yesterday the number of couples that came to the art gallery took a photograph in front of the artwork and then never looked at the artwork and yeah. left they look at it through their phone. No, no but they no, literally no. come they, for they, the they, photo op and they, then they, they leave. Exactly. So mm. you basically look on their Instagram and you're like, ooh, they're cultured. They went to watch up a art gallery. But I watched them not look at any artwork. Yeah. <laughs> they just came to document themselves. So they walk no. in. Yeah. They, they walk in, stand in front of a painting, say, take a picture and pose, and then they leave. So they didn't even walk so around the like, exhibition. It's like or virtue even... signaling with yes. culture. I would of. say maybe... 20 to 40% of people going to art galleries today are going to, for the photo op of being in a gallery yeah, as opposed to being in the gallery, yeah. um, which is a bit crazy. But anyway, it was wicked. And what I, else I did you see? Anything else like strange? The way people behave in art galleries, do you find it fascinating? Is it Because people must break down into certain categories, like the person that spends a long time thinking, looking at the work, someone who just goes straight <laughs> through, someone who's always on their phone. There must be different... 110%. And then always dates and couples. Yeah, and then really? like o- older people that are, you know, having a lovely day by themselves or children. I love when like children come to galleries and like are just happy because as a child for me, yeah. definitely art galleries were a place of like um, safety yes. or like mm. creative safety because I, I was dyslexic and like art was like my thing. And so going to art galleries was definitely like a place that I felt comfortable in. Mm. Um, so yeah, kids going to art galleries, mums and dads taking their kids. Um, I think it's so important. Yeah. And where, where did you grow up? 
I grew up in Cambridge. In Cambridge, okay. Yeah. So what, what museums were we going to as a kid? Did you go to Kettle's Yard? Was it everything? Kettle's Yard. Kettle's Yard. Yeah. 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 Did you go to Kettle's Yard? Yeah I, yeah, I remember seeing Anthony Gormley in Kettle's Yard. No actually. way. Yeah. So what gr- age was you then? Oh. And actually, it was quite recently in Anthony Gormley in Kettle's Yard. But when I was younger, I went to the Anthony Gormley exhibition. I think it was the Haywood Gallery. Yes. Do you remember yeah. that one? With the smoke. Yeah, the and also one. the statues. Like he had like one of the, well, there's an Anthony Gormley here in Margate, yes. isn't there? Yeah. In the sea. Yeah. But um, it was the Anthony Gormley statue on top of the building and, it, right. and it looked oh, yeah, like they were going to jump. Saying there's someone yeah. about to jump off a roof yeah. and they were all over London. Yeah. But I think my relationship with art galleries has been through my grandmother and my, my grandma lived in London. So whenever I came to London to visit her, she'd like take me to all the art galleries. Wow. So I went to things like Anish Kapoor at the Royal Academy wow. or... What else did I go to? What is Tate Is that Modern? the one with the red train that was going through yeah, back and like forth? The, like the, the crayon, wax. the wax that would then yeah. coat itself on the wall. That was amazing, yeah, that yeah, one. Yeah. I saw that. So all that sort of stuff. So your grandmother like got you into galleries? Yeah, um, my grandmother. What did your grand do? So my grandma, like, she she was a documentary filmmaker. She, wow. She's like, uh, done lots of, this is on my English side. This is my yeah. white grandmother and then all of my Algerian family are in Algeria. Um yeah, and she's quite fabulous. She um, she wears a lot of his sumiyaki and she's quite eccentric and we go to art galleries together and, yeah, she's really cool. Love well, she, I mean, what you're wearing today is quite sumiyaki, like this. It is. Well, I was thinking I look like the Jedi from Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, yes, Wearing do. socks and sandals a and a Princess long, like, dress. Yeah. yeah, but it's a fact. I mean, she has really influenced you then because you worked mm. in a gallery. You're now a, a filmmaker. You're documenting yeah. social documentarian. You're wearing clothes like sumiyaki. Yeah. What's love your that. grandma's name? Claire Wormsley. Thanks, oh, Claire Wormsley. We love yeah, shout, shout out to Claire. Oh. And what about, <laughs> what about <laughs> Algeria? What's the culture like there? Like art galleries and stuff? Um, there's a really cool underground art scene in North Africa right now um, and in Algeria particularly. And it, you know what? It's so interesting because um, growing up, I used to go to Algeria during the summers to see my cousins and my, my grandma or my uncles. Um, but now I'm really tapping into like the digital Instagram generation of like young artists in Algeria. And it's like really cool. Uh, loads like really who, cool who should we follow? Um, well, you probably know, you know Kadir Atta. No. Well, they're actually quite an established artist. So they did something at the Whitechapel Gallery actually. But there's a piece in Tate Modern, which is basically um, a huge plate of couscous. Um, that is like an architectural model of like a really historical city in Algeria. And it's all made out of couscous and it's like, oh basically, God. it looks like it's sand, but it's really made out of food. Wow. I've yeah. never seen that. He, is, is that it's now? Like it's like is in it, is it main... just rotting and then it would just disappear? No, no, or... they preserved, I don't know what they've oh, done right, to right, it, but right. they preserved it. I think it's like, it must be at least seven years old. How amazing. But yeah, it's really cool. Uh, and it's quite architectural, but it's also like, food. couscous is quite culturally yeah. ours. Yeah, so. exactly. It's a, it's a comment <laughs> on, your, on the diet and stuff yeah. there. Amazing. Yeah, amazing. Yeah. And what, what about, because you grew up until you were 11 in Jamaica, Danae. And do you have much memory of kind of culture, like as in art or maybe even your, your inspiration from colour theory or whatever? Um, I think my, my dad was probably my biggest inspiration just because he was a musician when I was younger and he was always kind of, I don't know, he was always kind of making music that didn't adhere to any genre. And when I was younger, I'd go to the studio with him and he would show me and I'm, you know, lots of the artists in Jamaica and he was friends with a lot of musicians. So I think art wise, I kind of get a lot of inspiration from him. And then he did like a photography class oh, really? and he um, would take photographs and then he would like frame it and put it on the wall in our house. 
And there was always something I thought was very like um, interesting, mm. especially because I've never really seen anyone do that before. So I think I get it from him kind of artistically mm. kind of photographing and well, maybe seeing yourself or... in something. No, he'd go, he'd go out and he'd take a picture like on um, film or like he'd travel and he'd take images and then kind of frame them. And but like landscapes and stuff or, or like... No, he'd like like a proper like almost piece of art and he would like name name the painting. Well, like kind of or abstracted. Or like name the maybe. images. Like wow. abstracted or, or with figurative detail. Like could you, could you tell what they were in a obvious way or were they more like colours or abstract? I think it was a mixture of like a few different things. Like he would take like real life images on film and then kind of almost like, you know, show them in the house as like a on like canvas like in, as a real piece of art wow and he would name them and i think artistically he was an outsider artist he was self-taught that's so cool so he had this need to like express himself through photography as well as All, music yeah always yeah. and i think i've always been validated in that sense through my my dad and my mom as well um but i think creatively i kind of come from more from my dad and um, my grandmother who is also a musician wow. as well wow that's so cool. And you performed here in this gallery the other day. Yeah, you? which is really just just like Nadira was saying, like I feel very much at home in galleries just because it's like the one space in, especially in a big city where it's like silence, like people go there to be either alone with their thoughts or as kind of escapism or to feel something. Yeah. And for me as a musician, you know, making music, you know, is a lot of noise or you kind of like, work with a lot of audible things and it can feel quite intense and I think sometimes it's nice to have silence like yeah. a lot of the times when I run I don't run with music as well because I find it's really nice to not hear anything or not be yeah, influenced yeah. by something and just have things around you and experience the sounds and the sights of you know a tree as yeah. we were saying earlier yeah. um so for me I'd go into a gallery and just like be alone and be silent and then go somewhere and write some lyrics will kind of be influenced in that way. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program. So you have um, been really influenced 
songwriting from art. Yeah. And I think it's really interesting. Like years ago, I, I was saying that I really want to do a gallery tour. I really want to do something in a gallery space and do some form of performance. Yeah. So it's kind of like a weird dream come true, like really? actually doing it here because... I've wanted to do this for so long because I connect so much with the space and yeah. a lot of the times I've written songs or so come up with ideas. Like? What happened? Well, basically we, we met yeah. um, here at the gallery yeah. and Danae was so kind and brought me a vinyl copy of Modern yeah. Dread and I was so excited awesome. and each vinyl has actually like got a unique colour. So it's like a colour kind of uh, vinyl, you know, record um but, record. yeah the actual physical the actual record, record right. is a different color on every single um copy of it so it's, they, it's they, recycled yeah it's recycled yeah. explain it? that process again recycle records yeah so they recycle records and it creates this like are? unique i think normally you know when you make a record you have to make a hole in the middle yeah the, that's so, right yeah so yeah. basically yes. all of the little pellets of the hole in the middle are then recycled to repress. No yeah. yeah. And, and because they're all different colours, because sometimes you, there might you be got? someone who makes like a red record. What have you got? When you have that little circle from the middle that's dropped out, yeah. that then mixes with other colours. So there's this kind of like, almost like marbling effect on yeah. the vinyl. Is that what you've got? And well, we one. didn't know. So we, um, Danae and Nadira were like, you have to open it while we're here because we want to see what colour you get. And I got <laughs> this kind of greeny, kind of turquoisey one. Yeah. And I was, it was so beautiful. And then I took it home and put it on my mantelpiece. And I don't have a record player at home. And Carl Friedman, and Carl Friedman Gallery, they have an apartment upstairs and they have a record player. So Carl was like, why have you taken the record? Like, we've actually got a record player here. It's not fair. Like, I want to have the record too. So I called them up and I said, can, can Carl get a copy? And you were like, of course. And by the way, we really want to do a, a concert what in your did Carl gallery. Get? What colour was anyway, Carl's record? So then they brought that record and Carl's yeah was like a much stronger blue. Ah. So yeah, he's got blue. the blue one. Was you jealous or was you happy with no, yours? I think what happened in the end was we had Tick, who's an A&R from XL Records and Young Turks. He came to stay in the apartment. Did he get one as well? And I hadn't got the second copy yet. Uh -huh. So I had to bring my turquoise one. So actually I've got the blue one now. So who's and, got, Tick's uh, got the turquoise No, one. Carl's got the turquoise one oh, okay, here. Right. And we listened to Danae's album okay, in the good. apartment. Yeah. But anyway, um, so <laughs> Danae then said to me, They both sat up Danae then said to me, we had an exhibition on here by Nell Arts yeah. at the time and yeah. we were walking around the show and Danae said, one of my ambitions is to do a uh, show in, in a gallery. Could we make a film here? And I said, well, guess what? We've got a whole week at the end of August over the bank holiday weekend where it's empty. So why don't you guys come and do it? So we've been planning this for months and then it finally happened That's recently. Sick. Yeah. And they made Nadira directed it, yeah. and Danae performed, and you had a whole live band, didn't you? Wow! Yeah, yeah, it was really, yeah, it was really weird because I was at literally the beginning of writing this record. I literally said, like, I want to, I want to do something in gallery space. Yeah. So, um, what was the acoustics like doing it in a white cube? I mean, I think you get the reverb of the space, and yeah. I think we've managed to capture the fact that we have kind of performed in the gallery which is yeah. really nice and I had some very amazing like um more orchestral instruments so I had like a cellist oh, and wow. I have this friend who I recently met um just before lockdown actually he plays this like ancient Chinese instrument um which harmonically and textually just worked with a lot of the um sounds in the record which sounded really great in the space as well so yeah it felt really is it a music video will it be released yeah, it's going to be released. Um, so you're editing at the moment? I'm editing. currently in the process <laughs> of like editing it. Do you like the edit of things? Oh, I love it. Do you? It's another part of the process for me because you prep and prep and prep for a shoot and, you know, you're stressed out, you're running around, you're getting your best collaborators because you're only as good as your team. Yeah. And then you just shoot and that's time dependent. Mm -hmm. And then the post-production is a bit like... 
You know what it's like? It's like baking a cake, right? You buy all the best ingredients and the better the ingredients, the better the cake. And then you make the cake and then it's like the preparation of the icing after. Yeah. So you've got to make it like look the best it can be. Well, how to represent it? It can taste nice, but if it looks like an old bit of stone cake, then it's not (laughs) going to work, is it? Yeah, well, you're only as good as your ingredients. You're only as good as how you made the cake, but you could ice the hell out of a really bad cake. You can change it in the edit, can't you? Everyone says that's where the film gets made. That's where the story is. One of the funniest ingredients in the uh, short film, because it's three songs. Danae performs three songs live. Um, and one of the ingredients was actually the CCTV of the gallery. Yeah. So it's the gallery CCTV footage is going to be part of the oh, film. That's great. And I had yeah. no idea how it worked. I didn't even know we had CCTV because I'm not actually very practical on those Have levels. You've been walking around so naked. you guys were like, how does this work? And I was like, I've got no idea, but you're really welcome to use it. And you ended up <laughs> yeah. using it, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. yeah so we yeah. used yeah. some of the actual CCTV in the gallery. So you didn't know you had CCTV in there? Well, I mean, I, I mean, I probably knew, but I've never thought about it. But actually, that that idea of surveillance is also yeah. a kind of theme through the album, yeah. in a way, wasn't it, in Modern Dread? Because Modern Dread, I initially thought it was to do with, like, um, dreadlocks or, like, the religion or, do you know what I mean? Something like but that. it is a play on that word as well, isn't it? Well, everyone, I've, my sister said, oh, is it like, you know, Modern Dread, like, dreads? Like, or like kind of Rasta culture or something. But it's interesting. Yeah. I've had a few people say that, like, in my family... Um, but I think really it's just the kind of like, I think it's this feeling of, um, it's the zeitgeist of yes. being alive right now. Yeah. And it's a low this level kind dread. Of, it's yeah. a low level anxiety. Yeah, basically. A low level like yeah, what yeah, the yeah. hell is happening, what's Definitely. going on. And there was something in one of the music videos where you have this kind of, you also used, I think, CCTV footage or at least some sort of surveillance camera or something within one of the films, I think. Yeah, um, yeah. In, into the brink. Into the brink, exactly. Yeah. And there was that idea and that's when I started realising that it wasn't about the kind of, idea of dread culture or something it was more about this idea of anxiety like an underlying sort of because even the idea that you're constantly being watched it's like you know the generation we're living in is a different thing isn't it completely and with iphones people taking pictures all the time all of that kind of stuff yeah yeah and you're can we quickly go back to the musician that you collaborated with in that live show so his name is raylon and he's so incredible and the instrument is called a yankeen isn't it the the thing he plays. I think it's Yang Ling. Oh, Yang Ling, is it? Yeah, it's uh, Yang Ling. Yang Ling, yeah. And I just introduced him to Guy Sigsworth, who's a producer I used to work with years ago. He produced Bjork and Madonna oh, and Britney Spears oh, and cool. all these people. Because Guy plays the Celeste, which is a looking-wise very different instrument because it it's more of an upright kind of What's piano a, almost. It's called a Celeste. A, Celeste, yeah. Not not the singer Celeste, what but is an actual Celeste instrument Celeste. That? Well, it makes this beautiful kind of sound. And Guy used to play it with Bjork. And the Yang... Kin or whatever it's called, y- Yang Yangling, Yangling, Yang Yangling yeah. um, instrument has a very similar c- a kind of uh, sound, like acoustically to the Celeste for me, anyway. And I couldn't believe it when he was here playing it because it's the most incredible looking instrument as well. Yeah, it's a little bit like a harp or a piano, yes. but it's percussion. Yes. So they're like lots of strings. So it's a bit like the inside of a grand piano. Yeah, or a harpsichord and then, maybe as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then it's like using these really beautiful blades. It's like percussiony, beautiful. Wow. Yeah. And your drummer, I was crazy in love with because they actually recorded (laughs) a lot of the audio through ear headphones, like in-ear headphones, because the room otherwise would have just been so echoey because it was the gallery. And your drummer, I could hear the drums, obviously, because you can't silence those. You love a drummer. The drummer was so incredible. 
I love him. And he's going on tour with Dua Lipa, isn't he, and stuff. Like, Didn't a, we meet another yeah. drummer this morning? You think it's incredible as well. I just love drummers, yeah. that's your yeah, That's your type, I just it? need a beating What's heart. your type, Rob? A drummer. <laughs> Basically, right, okay. my type is a drummer. Yeah. Beating heart, drummer. I'm in love with all drummers. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Can I just go back to you at the Whitechapel then? What yeah. was, what, if you were there over 10 years, what was the... Five, five, five. Five years. Yeah, yeah. What was the show that stuck out most for you as being the most powerful? Sarah art? Lucas. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, man. <laughs> and that was a collaboration with Francis. That was only like a couple of years ago, wasn't it? Last... No, it was a while ago. Sarah no, Lucas. Ago, well, there was no. another one then recently because I went around that one. Well, so. I just remember she had the, like, obviously, like, you know, the eggs on the boobs yeah. stuff and, like, the tights that look kind of like penises. Bunny girls. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then upstairs, there was, like, a room that was just lots and lots of, sorry, parents, lots and lots of photographs of, like, foreskins and penises. <laughs> and I, what I enjoyed wasn't like necessarily the, the thing itself. I just enjoyed looking at people's faces when they walked up the staircase and turned their head and just was surrounded by <laughs> like, <laughs> men's genitals. Yeah. Like and the like, audience reaction. Everyone's reaction was different, you know. Oh, wow. Was there a lot of gay so much embarrassment. Like queer audiences going in there and watch, looking at it? Yes, but also just like anyone and everyone that would yeah. turn up to an art gallery not knowing what was there and like people being like, oh, this is very um, sexual. Yeah. <laughs> so it's quite fun looking at people's reactions. But I think she's really cool and she's been doing really cool um, artwork about, you know, female gaze, yes. the body, what, what it looks like. And, you know, obviously historically so many art galleries are full of naked women mm. it's kind of quite refreshing having a gallery mm. full of naked men mm. i also like her her braveness and like she's very bold but um she has a sense of humor as well yeah, yeah. And that yeah. whole play on the kind of british history and so tabloid british. culture yeah. and the like way that smut. language was used yeah. smart and a bit of blue and yeah. it's yeah, almost yeah. a bit like like um what was the viz magazine or it says yeah. there's a commentary on that yeah. and i also love the fact that you can tell that she can almost like i remember sadie saying that she her gallerist that she can sit at her kitchen table and she actually makes things you know what I mean like she makes those sculptures and she has this very direct relationship which you feel in the work and she's she's like always hits like I don't know she gets it do you go nuts though sitting there all day as an adjudicator adjudicator invigilator 100% oh god I remember one there was one um they did like open um like London Open, like That's when they right, did, yeah. like you basically submit your film uh, or like artwork or installation, whatever it was, and it'd be a collective of like all sorts of different artists from all sorts of places. And there was one film which was on a loop. What was that track? That oh I, yeah, I'm triggered by that track now. <laughs> I can't listen to it ever. It's, it it's, it's a it's a song that's like in all the like rom coms basically when it's like a real feel good. Like when yeah. the plot changes and they like walk down the street. I can't street. remember now, but any time I hear that song. It's like Ronan Keating singing in Notting Hill or something. Or yeah. No, no. It's, I can't or like remember. Or Girls Aloud or something. Like. But it was just this one song that I can't hear anymore because I've heard it so many times because when you've been in the room for an hour and it's on loop, it was torture. <laughs> I do feel sorry for some like, people that do your job when you do go see these shows and it is like some harrowing noise coming yeah. out of like this yeah. film yeah. Or, it's, or it's some really graphic work when you're just sat there in the corner room the whole day i have a really funny story so art fairs as a gallery when you do art fairs and you travel the world sometimes the booth next door to you will have a film work and they haven't put it on headphones so you hear the sound for the entire week so you're there for like five days you know from like nine in the morning till nine at night and all you're hearing is this one minute loop of some awful sound and i a friend of mine another gallerist worked out what machine they were using and got the uh, controller, like went and bought no. a controller, like a remote control for the machine, you know, for the for the TV um, set yeah. and would mute it 
So every every sort of time they would they'd be like, oh, it's gone off again, and then they turn it on, then he turn it off, and it became this like top secret thing that he was That's like muting hilarious. the artwork because he was like, you're driving me insane. Yeah, I think it does get to <laughs> so a point naughty. where it's like a bit cruel on the yeah. person that. But anyway, no, I love yes, I love working away. Like, and really. when you became a filmmaker, you said to me that there was an artist that was really significant to your kind of development and the way you see things. Isaac Julian. Isaac oh, Julian. I love Isaac you're Julian. Friends with Isaac Julian. I've met him a few times. Yeah, because he likes yeah, you, doesn't he? Yeah. At, at the Studio Voltaire event, and I've seen him at. Uh, I actually walked into Derbyshire to Framers and he was there framing something up. So we, we anyway, we love Isaac Julian. Yeah, and great. I was so excited when I heard that he so cool. kind of influenced you and it sort of informed your develop, own development somehow. Well, basically, when I was studying architecture at the Bartlett, my kind of big final piece was actually a film installation that I built. So I physically built this space. But I had gone to playtime at the Victoria Myro Gallery. I don't know if you ever went to that. No, what's that? But it was like a multi-screen film inter- installation yes. that he did. Yeah. And it was all about money and the economy. So different parts of it were like documentary. Some of it was like kind of um, almost like filmic. Like there was one amazing film about um, uh, a maid. I think it was somewhere in Dubai um, who was Filipino who was like walking through the desert. And it was all about different people's perspective around the world about money. Mm-hmm. And just the way that he showcased the films. Also, um, Richard Mosse. Do you know Richard Mosse? He like did lots of photographs um, using this amazing film that would like make everything green, bright bubblegum pink. All right. And he did a lot. I think he did it. I don't, I don't know, know where know. in Africa it was. Wow. If I showed you Richard Mosse, you'd know. Yeah. But he did an exhibition at the Vinyl Factory and it was like a multi-screen installation that he shot on this. It was very old, like Second War, Second World War film. Yeah. Mm. Um, and it was really rare. But you're drawn yeah. to a lot of video art, then. Love it. Who's who's your top video artists? I'm the first one I ever saw was Bill Viola when I was really young. I got taken to you know Bill Viola who, no. who does you know, people jumping into water really huge slowly, scale. huge screens. It's I very there was one in Venice and a while all, ago that was literally like taller than this slow, building. Just really the slow as they're going into the water. So yeah. You see it, cool. all the bubbles and everything. Yeah. And they, they're normally like four screens, so you're immersed, and they all enter the water at different times. So it's it's really but in a weird way, like the, the ambition of Bill Viola. If you think of like Isaac Julian, there is a kind of like ambition with the it's way huge. that the, the installations are created. Yeah. yeah. And I think as filmmakers, it's so, it must be so exciting to see that, yeah. you know, in, in an art space in yeah. a different way, like not on a cinema screen. Who do you look at then? Who are your light inspirations, your heroes? A big hero of mine, he's kind of a peer as well, is a director and a visual artist called Akinola Davies Jr. Right. He's British, Nigerian. And uh, he just did a, a film with um, Somerset House, actually. I've done loads of stuff with different art galleries, but um, really good friends with him. But he does really fantastic, high concept, quite fashion forward um, documentary and, and visual art. And he's really cool. So him. And then my really good friend, um, Iggy London. He's like a film director and he's like, he did an amazing short film called Velvet, which is basically about... Um, kind of knife crime but throughout it it was the relationship of a young boy through dance and his mother but throughout the whole thing there was no violence so it was like visually and through dance it was about the sorrow of losing your child through Mm. violence in London um but there was no like weapons in it which I thought was really clever um but yeah so amazing that your heroes Mm. are your friends 
Well, yeah, man. Like there are so many young people at the moment doing really sick stuff that I yeah. feel like as much as I go back and I'm like, oh, Hype Williams or, or you know, Grace mm, Jones, mm. David Bowie, obviously. Mm. I also feel like there's a lot of cool artists at the moment I'm inspired by. And we were yeah. talking yesterday about this idea that when people would say to you many years ago, five years ago or something, and you'd say, what, what do you do? You've always said that you're a director. Instead of saying like, oh, I work in film or I do this or, or, I'm an I, artist. or I want to be this or yeah. I'm, you've always called yourself a director because that way you kind of immediately get the respect. Do you find that being a woman in this industry has been a big challenge for you? Like as well as being a person of colour and all of, you know, all of the complexities of those kind of injustices in a sense that are systemic or whatever. But, but I, I feel like I was talking to Danae about it the other night at dinner that, that, if you actually think about it, even just like audio recording, so like in the recording studios, my memory is that it's all male. It's often very, very white. And mm. the artists are often can be black, people of color, like women, loads of women artists. But the actual people behind the scenes are often very male. And I am, is the film industry like that too? A hundred percent for numerous reasons, really. Mm. Um, directors have historically looked a certain way. So before you even do anything, when you walk into the room, if you look like the archetype of a director, you already have subconscious respect, mm -hmm. regardless mm -hmm. of the actual work. Yeah. Um, so I think there's multiple reasons. Um, but I definitely feel like it's changing. And right now, totally, yeah, I think yeah. there's all sorts of like... That's good news. You feel like that. That's great. No, for sure. I mean, you got to otherwise. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what's the point of trying to do your career? Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm definitely really passionate about diversity of like um, stories being told. And um, also being a female director, I think it is actually quite difficult to um, get res like Well, not necessarily get respect, but also be taken seriously on set. Because I think the job of a director is to like make sure that everything's going to plan like you're the conductor you're of the orchestra you're a, yeah, right yeah, yeah. Um, you're the conductor yeah and so what's more important there's always this idea that a director's a bit of a, a bit of an asshole or like they're quite rude or they're mean but actually a director just needs to be listened to mm -hmm. and you can walk onto set and be really lovely but as long as you're listened to and i think sometimes directors get a bit frustrated when they're not listened to and that's how that archetype has come about so as long as you go on set with confidence and you have a or you're at least surrounded by people that listen to you, mm. then there's no need to be an I asshole. noticed it because I was here when you guys were setting up the film for Danae's performance here in Carl Friedman Gallery. And the minute you walked in the room, you like took complete control in a really um, respectful, empathic way, but you were in charge. And I was so blown away by it. It really hit people. I was like, that. you are great. No, but people like, want, really, people really want. because you, you knew exactly what your vision was. Yeah, though, cool. And you were like, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. This is what we're doing. But and people this is how want, we're going to do people it. People want brilliant. to be led by someone. They feel yeah. they can trust as soon as they feel like, and I know this as an actor, as soon as you think, oh, I know more than you, or you don't know what you're doing, or you're blagging this. <laughs> everyone picks up on that it's yeah. really yeah. Yeah. it's yeah. really simple I think it's really important to well at least the way that I see it is like I think there's something very tribal about filmmaking and like different people in a tribe have different skills that benefits everyone as a whole yeah. so you've got styling which is incredible it's, it's fantasy football it's picking literally it, like, you know what actually football manager is a perfect example of that yeah. a football manager can't win the FA Cup no yeah. but the players win the <laughs> FA exactly. Cup but you know where he places in players and exactly. who he plays at a certain yeah. time changes or, or the dynamic. I think, yeah, yeah the conductor's a good example as well because yeah. the conductor doesn't make any sound. No. But mm -hmm. it's really important that everyone knows what they're doing. And actually, um, we have a mutual friend who's here at the moment, Emma Reeves, who's been in Los yeah. Angeles for the last um, sort of 10 years Love or so. Emma, yeah. And she was originally at Dazed and Confused and then with Jefferson Hack. Have you known her for a while? Well, I know her through the work that she did with 
Free the Bid, and which has now turned into Free, free the, the Work. Free yeah. What's that? It's, it's like, a charity in yeah. America, yeah. So it's a, a non-profit um, initiative and organisation that like promotes diversity of directors globally. Yeah, and wow. like five or six years ago when Emma first started working there, she's just left, but when she did work there, the idea was called Free the Bid, and it was about um, getting access for women directors and um, non-binary directors to to actually get the chance to propose right. an advert, you know, because right. often yeah. they would have four or five directors for the work. who get to bid yeah, for the work. Right. And they're always men. There were white men, five white men, basically, every single time in Hollywood. And now it's actually really helped change that. So even if it was the, the fact of adding one woman to that five, it was the idea that suddenly you're going to end up having change eventually. And it has worked predominantly so far in advertising, I think. There's much more female-led um, directors kind of leading adverts and hopefully in the film industry, but still now in the film industry, there's not enough female directors but at all. But also, do you know why it works? Because you have a production company mm. and they have a roster of directors and then they pitch to agencies, for commercials and music videos or whatever it is. They bid. Yeah, they yeah. bid, exactly. But it kind of, in a way, bypassed the production company because it went straight to the agency and the clients and the brands and they said, you need to have at least one female director for every three directors. And so it was in the interest of the production companies to sign women. Because you're more likely to win if you have to have a woman and there are less women in the industry. So suddenly everyone over the last five years are now looking for women everywhere That's to right. like, and it's, it's an incentive that is almost like economic, yes. but it works. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think it works. Yeah. But it, it, no, I think it works yeah. too. In some yeah. ways it's kind of uh, sad that that's what it is, but in other ways it's an amazing thing that that is happening, that it's being forced. And I, I look at uh, like the BLM moment and I feel like, a lot of artists, a lot of museums don't have enough people of colour in their collection. And suddenly BLM happened and suddenly it felt like museums went, shit, we need to get loads of black art in, which in some ways feels patronising and feels like, why don't you do it before? But then another way you think, well, historically going forward, this is a really good thing. It's just the way that it's come about is this really awkward uh, situation. And I guess it starts awkward and then it becomes... Yeah. yeah. Then it becomes the norm yeah. in a yeah. weird way. Yeah. I think it will take like probably a hundred years more, or you know, no, whatever. Well, no, no, no. no. But for, for it to, I, I really think I there's certain think countries that. where there's so much. You know, think of a hundred and lesbian years. That's like, <laughs> that's like four, <laughs> maybe two years. That's like four thousand okay. years. <laughs> Can I get something straight? So if lesbian years are longer, are, are gay men years shorter? Uh, gay because oh, gay men is dog years times three take away <laughs> lesbian years. I can't really work it out right now, but no, I don't. <laughs> lesbian years are longer, I think. Right. Okay. So yeah. in the music industry, in the music industry, no rhyme or reason. It just is in the music industry. Um, I also really think there needs to be more female producers and more female engineers and I know it is happening and that's one of the reasons I have so much respect for you Danae because I think you are a female producer you know creative director like pioneer, singer pioneer. songwriter musician you, you, you're a you're a multi-talented human being but you are definitely one of a generation of people that's leading the way I think yeah I mean and it's also just I don't know on on my part I, I do a lot of sessions with younger artists like just signed to like a major label and they've never been in the room with a woman yeah. or they've made lots of records in the past and have never played on their own record like musically and it's a little bit like what and I think a lot of the times you just need to be validated in the space and that's the number one thing that I kind of yearn for in a process like I think making music should be really fun it should be a collaborative moment where you're working with someone that understands you and wants to hear you hear you out and there's no anxiety over doing something wrong 
because there's that as well because if you do something that's like not necessarily right you know you feel the pressure to perform in this way but when you let go of that and when people actually see you you can make mistakes mm. and you can do something that oh, okay this didn't work let's try this um and I think I've always been really lucky like the the A&R that signed me Jane um because when I was like a teenager is yeah. one of the most incredible women I've ever met in my life and I did realize that it was actually quite rare to have someone like her and I, I don't think I would have turned out in the way that I did without her protection and with without her validation for me as an artist to do what I wanted to do and I do notice that sometimes in you know in spaces like I go in a session and I know exactly what I want and I communicate it and a lot of people can find it a bit overwhelming but I think I don't know the industry is changing and I'm noticing a lot of initiatives like I know in Selena Gomez's last record I think like it was like most like all women basically practically like in terms of production songwriting across the board um and I think a lot more people like even Harry Styles he has a entire band of women like on stage and I think um you know that kind of focus will change a lot more and I think people are noticing especially in the room songwriting I do find it insane that you know a lot of these pop stars are women or people of color you know behind it musically you know it tends to not be those people totally I always remember I worked with Imogen Heap um when I was in my band Tempo Shark and she she had co-written songs with um other songwriters who were often male and even though she'd written 50 or 60 percent of the song people that would always mention that she was produced by the man and then I remember her doing that album um speak for yourself which was her going into the studio writing all the songs on her own producing the whole album on her own and then that was the record that ended up becoming her biggest ever record and I know at the moment you're writing and producing you know new songs post modern dread and you had some that were meant to be on the record that you decided didn't work exactly on the record but are really great songs so there's lots more music to come. And I'm getting so excited about this idea of you, Danae Moore, like, you know, producing your own record almost. Do you know what I mean? But it's it's weird as well, because I think it is a headspace thing. I think I've always produced music. And yeah. it was my friend Steph that actually said to me, like, because, you know, a lot of artists don't inherently have that um, edge in terms of like, they kind of need someone else to lead them or to bring something out in them musically so they're not necessarily leading production wise but she said to me one day like well I mean you're a bit different because you know you're a producer I'm like what I'm a producer I like I've never mm, even wow. called myself a mm. producer before mm. but then I was like Feels yeah good, maybe right? I am a, <laughs> maybe I am a producer because yeah. so I think it's been really nice because um, um Nadira did this sh- um Tate film it was like a dance piece and I scored it and it was like the first time I had to make something Oh, entirely wow, on really? my own so I like mixed it and produced the music for it and basically I was kind of forced to kind of exit my like bubble of like comfort and yeah. be the producer and be the person that made the music yeah. and it kind of really helped me I think mentally because I think now I kind of just make lots of stuff and share it with my managers or share it with um other friends that make music as well and I feel less kind of like protective over it whether it's perfect like um it doesn't have to be perfect you know it could just be a sketch it could just be an idea and I think it is a mental state that I think you have to free yourself from and I've seen a lot of women like my friend um has this writing camp that she started years ago that's like an all-women's writing camp um where lots of producers engineers so many different roles um would come together and just write music and they've actually had a lot of songs that have now been like really successful from the camp which Mm. is really cool like I think she did 
um, like a Mabel song from wow. in the camp that Amazing. went like crazy. Yeah. So I think it's really refreshing. And I think now she's getting a lot of like labels, like ask you know, oh, can we have like, you know, the camp or whatever. So I think it's amazing when people kind of do these things that are like, you know, important to, to you have to have the integrity to do it and to actually say I'm a producer and to validate other people. And it will kind of create that change. And I know that you had a lot of support from Leanne Le Havis. Like she came to one of your early gigs and sort of tapped you on the shoulder and said, oh, I've seen a comment on your and, Instagram. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and I'm a big admirer of Leanne's lately yeah, because I just think she's someone a bit like yourself who's almost like becoming kind of genre free somehow. It's like she just makes the music she wants to make at the time she wants to make it. And I remember when you had your album out and The Guardian had described it as this kind of like genre free sort of I think they said that it was genre blending electronic pop and that it was like an unsettling exploration of isolation and selfhood in an overconnected age and for me that are you, are that you reading now of, or did you yeah, remember no, I'm that reading that no, right, yeah. not, my memory's not that good anymore sadly <laughs> but I, I did like this idea of sort of the genre free thing because I think that's also why I connect to what you do and I bet you anything that's what scares like A&R's record labels marketing people because they they love to be able to pigeonhole especially music artists into being one tiny thing anything and I think there's mainstream musicians like like you're talking about Selena Gomez yeah and Mabel and these people and even people like Ray maybe and like um uh, Taylor Swift like I actually feel like there's artists now that are starting to do, you know break that yes. mold and be the leader you Challenge know like that, yeah. and i really respect all those eyes because they are doing something that's going to change for the next generation and but how it, do you feel it about it's a different time now because everyone yeah. everyone back in days like stay in your lane and now it's like well you can cross all the lanes I know, but even this episode of talk off, art like, like i think there's, there's as some, an actor to then do an art podcast yeah. it's like 10 years ago i wouldn't have been able to do that and even a year ago there'd be people in the art world that told me off for doing interviewing people that weren't artists or gallerists on this show and it's just ludicrous because like you guys are artists you know what i mean and and i think i think yeah but what, what do you feel about genre sort of you know bending genres almost or i think it's something that i think artists inherently they don't go in the studio and like well I'm gonna make this like epic country ballad or whatever I think you're you're always leading on how you feel and the sounds that you hear in your head and it is like a version of an audible version of you in whatever moment so it's interesting I think genre the conversation of genre because a lot of the times the genres I think especially that I've been tied to has a lot to do with kind of racial connotation so I think for me saying that I'm genre free is me kind of just reclaiming myself in a sense and just being like no I make music that I think isn't like you know R&B or whatever like I've made an album with like one of the biggest indie bands in the country so it's kind of really weird that still people feel that you know sense but I think it's really interesting because I've had a lot of other artists kind of say that um, they find kind of my talk around genre very like gratifying and mm. that it's allowed them to actually express themselves in, mm. in their music a bit more mm. or kind of and I think I'm seeing that a lot as well just artist wise and a lot of my friends like my friend Moses incredible artist Moses Sumney and yeah, he's someone else that I think has has talked about it a lot because it can be quite frustrating but I think it's important as an artist to actually use your platform and and talk back because yeah. you know it's a part of it you can't like and I think that's maybe what's changing as well in the industry I think a lot of artists do speak up about their experiences and you know do say more and have more of a say in how they express themselves in their music and how they present a record and and stuff and so I think for me genre free means something that I can just be like well I'm genre free like I'm not anything that you 
want to tie me to. Mm. And when you were growing up, what kind of artists were you listening to? Because I God, I they, so many. Th- <laughs> I heard Lauren Hill was somebody that. So many you. different, so many different things. Like my dad was really into like Incubus and a lot of kind of more heavier really? um, music. So I listened to a lot of that when I was younger, and I listened to a lot of Paramore as a teenager, mm. which I think like. I don't know, validated this kind of yearning for understanding or just feeling maybe a little bit different than a lot of kids at school. And yeah, a lot of stuff. And then I kind of listened to a lot of Kanye West and like My My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy and Jesus had a very like impactful kind of effect on my career, I think, and just sound and how I feel as an artist. So I think um, I'm influenced by so many different things. And I think that's quite natural as an artist. Like I think everyone is so i think yeah, genre is so redundant it's just so yeah. redundant because that genre is redundant exactly it just doesn't make sense because like you know there could be a re- renaissance revival because like you don't know what people do next you know you can't really pigeonhole people because you can listen to anything like genuinely you can listen to anything and you can be influenced by anything so i think it's amazing to see this wave of artists that kind of just being themselves and like kind of being a bit punk about it and like going on Twitter or whatever, whatever platform they use and be like, well, this is what I am. Like, I don't care. Do you know what? There's an energy in your record, which spoke to me so deeply on like a molecular level or something where I was in lockdown walking in Margate, listening to the whole of your album start to finish. And I, um, I felt free from it. I felt liberated from the music. And genuinely, it's the first time since I stopped making music that I wanted to write music again. It woke something up in me. And I really encourage people listening to this now just to put the whole record on and don't just listen to one song and listen to it a few times and just let it, you know, come into your life. Because I think Modern Dread is such an important record. And if I was running things like the Mercury Music Prize, you would have won it. Do you know what I mean? Like, and (laughs) in my eyes, you have won the talk art music prize um, (laughs) because i think both visually and you know audio wise like the whole thing it's just a incredibly strong um offering to the world and i'm super super grateful for it because i'm and i feel very i was so shocked after i found out you lived in margate and that you'd kind of made the record while you were living here even though you recorded it in london with um the band everything everything um but i felt like how interesting that like I felt so right being in this place and that you're also here and it was the record that spoke most to me it's so interesting to me um yeah so I'm super grateful for that so thank you oh thank you so we ask every guest on talk art two questions the first one is if you could do an art heist an imaginary art heist you can steal any work of art in the world for yourself and you could keep it what would it be and And it can be like anything so it could be like giant like a building or it could be as tiny as something that's in your hand it doesn't have to be something we can physically like steal i can bring cranes and vans and lorries anything (laughs) i love this (laughs) oh my god um i have one yeah no hassan hajaj oh incredible hackney base but no, moroccan photographer I do know him. he's a yeah. friend of zoe badeau and he shot um madonna weirdly on her 60th shot, shot birthday. madonna shot billy eilish cardi b all those cardi celebs. b as well exactly yeah. and actually he shot cardi b about a year before she got really famous it was way ahead of oh, really? the curve yeah oh. well hassan's work i've been a follower of for literally over 10 years um but he's like an amazing photographer that shoots people in really like bright colors uh, he, he does a 
some really cool p- depictions of like quite masculine women or like women on motorbikes with hijab or a jalaba, which is like a traditional garb. And um, they're just sick. And he mixes like pop art. So there'll be like little cans of like harissa right, around it or yep. like, it's very like, yeah, he's basically like a, a North African Andy Warhol. Totally. That's a photographer. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I would just... Well, inshallah, you know, hopefully we're going to get one. <laughs> That's the aim, um, to get one eventually. And yeah, what he, sort he of price are they? Are they incredible. super expensive? Um, I reckon they're about um, 10 to 15 grand. Okay. Yeah, I think yeah. you probably get some that's more because he, he did an exhibition at the MoMA and yes. he did he did stuff at um, Somerset House. And, wow. You know, but he's like, he's just like amazing and I met him one time. What was he like? Uh, really cool. Really cool guy. Did you become friends with him? friends with him um he's a hero you're not friends he, with yeah yet. i'm a bit starstruck really but yeah, yeah anyway i'd love a hassan hajaj <laughs> I, I, i've never met him but i've heard he's got incredible energy and he's meant to you can feel it in the photography because you can see how comfortable the sitters are in the pictures they always look like they've got cool attitude and like you know sometimes he has like bikes or stuff like yeah. in the pictures and there's just this kind of street positive like energy in it like the kind of buzz of this being on the streets do you know what i mean yeah like, um, you know, almost like eating food at the same time or something. Like there's this kind it's of like... being on a bike. ...cultural thing. But he's also really it's cool. on the bike. I <laughs> he, don't know. He, he, he bought um, a Riyadh in Morocco and it's a gallery called Yima and you can go to it. It's basically his house. That's like with a courtyard, Riyadh and all of his artworks there. No, and so I been? went, Yeah, Marrakesh, yeah. So cool. But he's also got a shop in Shoreditch. So he's yeah. got a little shop, yeah. What's his shop in Shoreditch? Where's that? Dino Ace Hotel. Yeah. If you go like to the left of it and around the side, it's literally there near, you know, like the big roundabout. Yeah. Yeah, he's got a shop there. So cool. A lot of the photographs are actually photographed against that wall there in Shoreditch. I'm going to go and check that out. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. He's very, 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 <laughs> very cool. I don't know. I don't know. I was going to say something that um, makes me like feel something or something I could showcase in my house yeah. so I would say something like maybe Elm, Elm, uh, Elm Green and drag set like yeah. I just love the concept of sculptural pieces in in the house and I think I don't know maybe not in our house here but I daydream about like building like a house like in Jamaica or something like by the sea or something like that and wow. I would love to have like a sculpture like a sculpture in my home that I think is like a permanent art piece. And I think that's probably why I really like the Saletti heart um, piece of art because yeah. it's kind of like, I don't know, it's tangible. It's slightly more tangible and yeah. it's like this thing. See, like the 3D object, yeah. 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 You know, the Elm Green and Drag set in Venice Biennale, maybe like 10 years ago now, I can't remember when it was, did recreated a house. And they, they have these pavilions in, in Venice where you get given an architectural space. So each one is different for each country. So like Great ah. Britain has a kind of very traditional building. You know, mm. Germany has a different building. Everyone has a different building. And um, they, they did this, this installation called The Collectors. And it was like these two gay collectors and all the art they collect. And they did all the interiors, all the furniture. And it was a completely constructed fake house. And people again thought it was like real collectors who had like loaned their collection for this installation. But just like that swimming pool... I think it was just like a narrative, like a story they'd created. And it came with a text that you and a guide yeah. and, a, and a, a, a list of works that planned out the whole space. You would have loved that. 
They, they should recreate that for you wow, in Jamaica. I, love that. <laughs> I didn't know about that one. Yeah, it was amazing. amazing. I've got a weird feeling. One of the things was like a swimming pool, possibly with like a dead collector in it. I can't remember. Like, yes, I know the one you're talking. I know the one you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. I think I've there's like a, a narrative, a storyline within it. Um, but that, yeah, that's interesting. So you need a sculpture. We are going to find you a sculpture. But I think I just genuinely really would love to work with like a sculptor as well, and like do some kind of furniture pieces and stuff like that. I'm really into that whole... Inca. You know, there's a really great Robin song because I know you're friends with Kindness, yeah. um, Adam, and there is Who's a really amazing... Kindness Adam? Who's that? Adam, Kindness. Oh, Kindness They're is a, a musician. musician. They're a musician. Okay. I knew Kindness through the art world, through oh. the Arcadia Missa crowd, and yeah, we yeah. were kind of friends, and um, they used to DJ, even in Zurich once. Um, and, no, sorry, what uh, did uh, they do Art Basel once. Uh, They've produced songs on Robin's new oh, okay. album or written songs of Robin, but Robin did a song with Royksop called Monument. And that song is actually based on Joanna Sercura Light, um, her sculptures. And they're these amazing sculptures, um, which I can post on Instagram. Yeah. But I loved the idea that that song was written in response to this idea of a monument yeah, yeah. and the idea of sculptures and art living on beyond our lifetime. And Robin kind of put it into words. It was a really beautiful, mm. beautiful thing. Yeah. Amazing. So the other question we ask every guest is, what is your favourite colour? Blue. Oh, straight. <laughs> oh, that was, that was a quick one, didn't I? <laughs> blue, yeah. Blue is my favourite. Cobalt blue. Both of you Both have of the you. same. Yeah. So why are you saying about painting the ceiling yellow? And when you said that earlier, I thought, well, why don't you paint it blue then, if you like blue, like the sky? Because you said it looked like the sun. Our living room is blue. Right. We've got an accent wall. We've got a little fireplace that's just got really gorgeous, like, green tiles, like, really Victorian. And then mm. we painted the wall blue. Um, but yellow, and our really good friend Mahanila, who's also uh, Danae's manager and, and a director and artist, she did this project about yellow being like really good for your mental health. Yep. So colour therapy. Colour therapy. And so yellow basically is meant to evoke um, happiness. So we deliberately did the hallway. So every time we leave the house, you look at a bright yellow door, you open the door and you like go on with your day. That's a really good idea. I really <laughs> like that. But honestly, for me, I don't know if it's... But blue, though. But blue is the colour. Blue is my favourite colour, yeah, I think, yeah. But it does actually make a difference. It does work, gonna... yeah. For me, it works. Does it work for you? Yeah, I think so. And I think I've been seeing as well, like, a few um, people have been almost, like, more shapes and stuff. So, like, the ceiling is almost like a art piece as well. Yeah. Um, which is something I maybe want to explore. Um yeah, the ceiling just sort of gets ignored, doesn't it? Most of it's just white. You just have like you have a nice light, but then it's really nice. I like the idea of the yellow door as you leave. I might yeah. just steal that. <laughs> Loving this. Well, guys, thank you so thank much. Thank you so much no, for coming on Talk Art. It's been, no, I could have spoken to you for another five hours, yeah. but I feel like <laughs> that's just going to be the continuation of our friendship instead. Yeah, yeah. And I'm looking forward to hearing all the new music that you are producing. And I, I can't wait to see this live. Uh, performance gotcha. so where's it going to stream is it on because music's youtube or your youtube or i think it'll be on my youtube it'll be on your okay. youtube yeah awesome but we'll give you the link and everything yeah so we will be uh promoting that on our talk art you'll be able to find images of all the artists and also the works that nadira and Tane have created together mm -hmm. uh through their music and film partnership and i'd like to say thank you big thank you to chris cuff at good machine um, for sort of connecting us initially and to Rianne at Because Music mm -hmm. but most of all to Danae Moore and Nadira Amrani thank, thank you, you so much what are your um, Instagrams? yeah what are your Instagrams? at Danae Moore mm -hmm. at D-E-N-A-I-M-W-I and at Nadira Amrani N-A-D-I-R-A-A-M-R-A-N-I 
Awesome. <laughs> and we will link to you both. So we'll be back very soon. Thank you very much. Thanks, Thanks guys. For Bye. Bye. Bye from Mark H. Bye. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Toby. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.